everyone, welcome to today's podcast. We're talking about calories and weight loss. We have been so conditioned to fixate and focus on calories to lose weight, and we want to talk about it in a little bit more of a robust way, uh, and I think this is going to help you out. So the calories matter, okay? So I want to just start off by saying that calories absolutely matter. Uh, your weight is really a reflection of the average calories you're consuming. It's kind of a simplistic, easy way to start uh, focusing on your weight. Uh, but what you have to understand is that you've really have been conditioned to think about your weight almost solely as calories because on a very, very technical level, a calorie is a calorie, okay? Um, but in the real world, it's a much different story. And the more you understand this, the more you set yourself up for success. Because I'm going to guess that at this point, if you have wanted to lose weight, that you have at some point tried tracking calories, counting calories, paying attention to your calories and lowering them down so you can lose weight. And um, you do it for a little bit, and then you always ultimately end up going back to the same weight or more, Okay, which is to say that you go back to the same calorie consumption or more. So you really need to take a more holistic view of the calories you're consuming. And yes, you are thinking about calories, but we want to have this bigger picture uh, because the calories that, you know, the, the calories in an apple versus the calories in a cookie completely are different in how they impact how you feel in the real world. So yes, on a scientific level, if you ate 100 calories of cookies or 100 calories of apples, technically that part's the same thing. But where things get interesting is how those different packaging of calories impact you. And I'm sure you've had the experience that for the average person, 100 calories of apple isn't gonna make you wanna eat 20 more apples. Whereas 100 calories of cookies, you tend to wanna eat a lot more cookies. So we can't just take calories and put them in a vacuum because in the real world, how these calories are packaged is gonna impact how many of these calories you ultimately end up eating. So uh, this is what gets us into a deeper conversation of the quality of the calories that you're consuming has got to be part of what you're doing because once you start appreciating the quality of the calories that you're consuming, now you're able to strategically set yourself up so that you're more satisfied from the calories that you ate. And so we want to look at the broader picture. And part of this is really understanding a thing called the food matrix, that the calories are one piece of the puzzle, but how we absorb them or what they do in our body has a lot to do with the form we take it in. So a cookie is a not natural food matrix, right? We've taken processed flour, processed sugar, um, other processed things, put them in together and cook them. Okay. So that's not a natural food matrix. Whereas an apple, um, you know, fruits, greens, beans, these are all natural food matrices. The calories come in a food matrix that has been evolved over millions of years in a natural environment. And so that is what our body has evolved to eat. And so that food is going to interact in our bodies much differently than the processed foods, which again, even, uh, even, uh, you know, cookies, you know, are processed, right? Obviously. And, and then we get processed ingredients we're putting there and we're processing ourselves. So as you start shifting your calorie focus to not just reducing calories, but to doing this strategic way where you're consuming more whole natural calories, you're most likely going to find that the calories you're consuming satisfy you at a much deeper level. Because again, we do not want to build our weight loss around willpower and fighting against ourselves. We want to be strategic so that we manage our hunger strategically. 
And that way there, we're not always fighting against our hunger, we're managing it. And the real, probably the most important way to do that is to make sure that you're getting higher quality calories. And so I would suggest that how you make that happen is that you start to, again, don't even worry about cutting out the, the bad stuff necessarily, although that's part of the process, obviously. But what's almost even more important than that is to start intentionally putting more healthy calories into your body. So if you're at the beginning of the process, you're not even that motivated to lose weight, but you want to lose weight, one of the best things you can start doing is putting whole foods into your body. And so that alone is most likely going to start supporting weight loss because you're nourishing yourself. Remember, we don't just get hunger signals from when we haven't eaten enough calories. We get hunger signals when we need nutrients. And if your body's not getting the micronutrients it needs, you're going to get this hunger signal. So even if you don't reduce or stop eating the unhealthy calories, the processed food calories, if you just start eating more natural foods, you start to satisfy some of those micronutrient needs. And that satisfies your hunger more and that makes it easier to eat better. Okay, so again, we could talk about calories all day and food and nutrition all day long, but this is the basic idea is to start to see your calories in a more holistic way so you see the bigger picture because um, it's not just the calories bringing your body. Again, cause on, on a technical level in a lab, that may be true, but in the real world, again, the calories do impact you differently. So start paying attention to that. And I think you're gonna find this makes it much, much easier to control your eating. So I hope this helps you out. Uh, if anyone has any questions, feel free to ask them. Christina says, I'm thin, don't need this particular suggestion. Um, yeah, this is for people that wanna lose weight. Right? That's why I'm always talking to people that wanna lose weight. Now, again, that's always up to you. How much weight you may want to lose, that's your choice. What's up, Karen? Oh, I got a snuffy nose. Look at a snuffy nose here. I got a sugar cold. <laughs> I swear it's a sugar cold. Uh, I ate a lot of sugar this weekend, and I instantly felt like crap the next day. Uh, so, yeah, hope everyone's doing well. Recovering from... Valentine's Day. I don't know how people are with Valentine's Day. There's a lot of candy and sweets around. Um, it's not even just having those things around too. I think a lot of times, uh, a lot of times it's the suggestion. We, we live within a mental construct. And so all of a sudden it's Valentine's Day and it says, like, oh, it's a special occasion. Um, that's what I fell into at Super Bowl, right? It was Super Bowl day or it was party. And uh, that, that's a piece of the puzzle too. You know, in addition to a lot of times when it's Valentine's Day, all of a sudden there's just more of these foods around you as well, but I'm always fascinated with the mindset piece. Connie NJ says day two of my TikTok journey. Thanks to needing more PYT figured out the username. I think, Oh, great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I know I used to call this channel program yourself. Then I switched it back to Jim Katsoulis. Uh, I don't know just because <laughs> so here we are but yeah the podcast is program yourself then the program is program yourself then and I'm Jim Katsoulis. So I'm glad you found it. And, uh, yeah, it's exciting. I know I had someone someone wrote yesterday like they just they finally downloaded TikTok so that they could watch the lives, and uh, which got me thinking. You know, I'm like I know a lot of people. <laughs> TikTok's got such a funny reputation, right? It's, it's a kind of this love hate thing sometimes, but um, maybe I don't know if it, it, a lot of people think it's you know it's teenagers dancing and stuff. And it's it's been funny to me. I've been on social media, blocked ears from having a cold here, but. Um, I've never been much on social media uh, and it's been about a year and a half or so I have been and a lot of it's been TikTok you know it's funny so uh, it's just funny right you wouldn't have thought that right you think about talking about weight loss and, and this stuff uh, on TikTok and everything but there's a lot of people on here so yeah it's interesting I'm glad you're here Connie uh, 
funny. Uh, let's see. Let's see. That was the powdered donuts. It was the powdered donuts. There's no doubt about it in my mind. Uh, what do you think are some high protein but plant-based foods? Um, yeah, I mean, the highest protein plant-based foods are probably beans. You know, you want to go on bean bean territory, that's going to cover you. Um, you know, all, all things have protein in it. We've been fed this bullshit about how much protein we need. And uh, I don't know, again, I, I kind of tend to think that it, there's a lot of money in, in meat. And so I think that some of that's exaggerated. Protein's important, okay? But I think to the level we, we think about it, it's crazy. I always joke, I think this is a funny thing, that people are so, I'm a vegetarian, pescatarian, but that's the first, oh, what about protein? You know, and people are so freaked out about protein, but it's kind of a, it's it's like a strange how focused people are on protein because it's like, do you, have you ever met anyone in your life who's protein deficient? Like, have you ever taken a protein deficiency test? You know what I mean? For as worried as people are about protein, have you ever had that experience or even been around it? You ever even heard of a protein deficiency test? They do have them technically, but it's a very, very rare thing. So anyways, yeah, the amount of protein you may think you need is probably exaggerated for the average person. Um, you usually do not need as much protein as you may think you do. We live in a society that, that overhypes the protein piece. Now, again, I'm not saying it's not important. It is. And uh, it's also satiating, okay? So protein is one of those things that when you eat it, it tends to satisfy you longer. Um, but fiber probably satisfy you even more than protein, or at least it's equivalent. So again, there's a lot of protein um, in a lot of different plant foods, but but beans are really where you wanna go if you want the higher proteins. Um, what's up, Kelly? My plateau has become a five pound gain. Have to start a diary, see what I'm missing, need to improve. Yeah, Kelly, that, that's that's the attitude though, you know? Uh, yeah, that's exactly what happens. This is why I say, you know, it's really, it's a fixation and a focus on the process, not on the weight loss. I know you want to lose weight and I get all that, but it's like you almost have to make that secondary. Weight loss, it's, it's such a funny thing. Um, and Shayla says, thank you for what you do. You're welcome, Shayla. Thank you for writing that. I appreciate that. Uh, weight, weight is so funny. I mean, I, I think about this all the time that, you know, you, you have no biological, neurological mechanisms to motivate yourself to lose weight, you know? We, we lived in an environment our whole lives where you wanted to put weight on. So everything within you wants you to eat more, wants you to weigh more. So when you try and, when you, I know, and I know you think logically that wanting to lose weight should be enough motivation. Like you think about it all the time and you, and you want to, but just, inside of you and intrinsically right? intrinsic extrinsic motivation intrinsically there's not a lot of motivation to lose weight so you've got to reframe this process in a different way if you really want to tap into more motivation and so one way to do that anyways is to really get fixated on the process and uh, master the process piece but yeah Kelly you're missing something clearly Again, I, I always say that, that awareness precedes change. Awareness is the most important piece of this process, in my opinion, for so many reasons. And so here's another one. Because if Kelly doesn't know, you know, if we don't realize what we're doing, we start saying things like, it doesn't matter what I do, I can't lose weight. I got a broken metabolism. It doesn't matter what I do, I won't lose weight. That is never true. Never true. Because if you look at famine situations, there's never an overweight person in them. Never. Never. So again, I'm not, I'm talking about extremes. I understand that, but you really have to get your head out of it. If you, if you are believing and thinking that there's nothing you can do, no matter what you do, 
That that's a powerless belief and thought. It, it makes you feel powerless, and it's not true. So, Kelly, I like what you're saying. I would much rather be like, I'm missing something. Let me let me find out what it is. Then be like, oh, no matter what I do, I can't lose weight. All right. So good job, Kelly. Yeah, keep food diary. So again, it's all about strategy solutions. Um, kind of J. Oh, it's me, Silver CPS or whatever. That silly username was yesterday. Okay, I got you. Got a new name now. All right. Got yeah. Yep, that's me. All right. Yeah. So yeah, TikTok's funny, right? Like that. Well, I'm glad you're here. Sunrise 2020. Hello. Yes, I got you. You're Sarah, right? And uh, I got your email, and I'm gonna set you up uh, today or tomorrow. But you'll get access next week. I'll get you those calls. Can't wait to talk to you. Oh no, Don says I got shingles. I won't let it get me down. Yeah, it sucks, right? These are the things we gotta ride out, right? This is the stuff that, that that's life. Here I am, right? I feel sick. I haven't felt that good all week. My my in my affects everything. You know, again, we, we got to look at things holistically. I noticed so often, I will tell you, one of the biggest things I've learned working with with clients for so long, and again, I always get a certain type of client, overthinker, perfectionist level. And one of the biggest patterns I noticed, and it's been so helpful, is that perfectionists just expect they're going to be the same no matter what the situation. And uh, they could be, you know, they'll get sick, re- like really sick, like flu sick. And they'll be like, oh, I don't know what's going on. My eating's- so I've had the flu, but I still, my eating's gotten bad. You have to look at things holistically. Yeah, when, when you break a foot, when you get the flu, when you get COVID, you, you know, you lose a job, you fighting with your partner, all these other life situations are going to impact your eating. I know you think they shouldn't, <laughs> but of course they're gonna. So, you know, what we have to do a lot of times is kind of, we got to kind of ease off a little bit. We got to ride things out. We, we can't always be a gas to, you know, foot on the pedal going 100 miles an hour towards weight loss. Sometimes you got to put other things in priority. So for Don, for you, it's really focusing on recovering. You know, get get your sleep, drink your water, nourish your body, rest. And so, yeah, it, it, weight may not be the main focus, but, uh, you know, if you, if you do it that way, you'll get through it quicker. Then you get back to normal. But that sucks. I, I, I'm sorry you're dealing with that. I know that's a tough one. Um, high cortisol and weight gain. Yeah. Even if it's low cortisol, stress is, is a killer, okay? So a lot of times high cortisol, you know, it seems cortisol has the impact that it causes your body to hold on to fat. And it's a high stress response hormone. And so, again, regardless if it's high cortisol or just stress, we got to deal with it. And so the high cortisol, a lot of, and I, I'm saying this specifically because high cortisol, a lot of times what people are thinking is, it's physically affecting me. It's physically causing my body to hold on to fat. And that's true. But the other side of it that to me that's way bigger is that the stress that creates the high cortisol is causing you to go into a mindset where it's a lot harder to eat healthy. So yeah, I, I believe, again, where I think this is program yourself tends a different approach is we really take a holistic approach to it and we follow weight mastery pyramid, mindset, lifestyle, eating. And lifestyle is probably one of the most important pieces, certainly physically. And so part of that is there's eight habits of a healthy lifestyle in order of importance, sleep, hydration, relaxation, breathing, nourishment, movement, meditation, gratitude. And pretty much all of those support reducing cortisol levels, increasing calm, relaxation, reducing stress, tension, uh, you know, all all those emotions. So yeah, I think you've got to manage your stress levels for first of all just for your own happiness and health in life um but absolutely when it comes to your weight you've got to manage your your stress levels because again not only the physical effects of it but the mental effects when you're stressed out i always i want to make this crystal clear 
and you know this, but I just want to make it really obvious. But what's really impacting your weight is obviously what you're eating and how you're living. But what's impacting what you're eating? The biggest thing of all is not your nutritional knowledge. <laughs> it's your mood. You, you can be the same person and one day, you know, you choose the healthy thing. The next day you choose the unhealthy thing. Well, what was the difference? It's almost always your mood. And when you're in a stressed out mood, it's so much easier to say, who gives a shit? I don't give a shit what I eat. I don't care. You know, so we've got to get to this deeper level and start managing our emotions. So absolutely, cortisol, stress levels, we've, we've got to, if you're, and again, and you look at a diet, what happens to people when they go on a diet? What's your experience been when you've started a diet? What do you think's happening to your cortisol levels the first day of your keto plan? <laughs> right? They go through the roof. So, you know, again, the diet themselves is causing stress. So, again, we need a whole different approach. Again, that's why Program Yourself Then, you know, you're starting your day, Program Yourself Then, relaxing, calming down, and, and using hypnosis. You know, calming yourself down, hearing positive stuff, reducing your tension levels, your stress levels. So that's a huge part of the program inside and out. So, yeah, you got you to deal with that. Um, Connie says, Atomic Habits asked... Um, Atomic Habits asked... Ab Lama why yesterday. While I now think you are the only guru I need, I love to I love to learn. Um Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, asked about um Lana. Lana, right? I had her name written down. I gotta I gotta look her up. Uh yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> the only guru you need. Uh it's funny. Uh I think there's there's that's good and bad. I, I love atomic habits. Yeah, James Clear is great. Uh I'm a big fan. So uh we we I but to his point, right? I know people love that book, and I do too. I think it's a great book. Uh, that we, we, in, in program yourself, then there's the mindset piece and it's six categories. We do motivation, self-image habits, emotions, thinking, maintenance, but the habit piece is a huge part because I, I, I know people love that book, atomic habits because they, <laughs> they have no idea about habits. Most people just ch want to change their habits. They're just kind of winging it. I was going to use my willpower and just change, change. And so there's no real understanding or strategy there. I love James Clear and I love that book. Uh, and I know it seems amazing and it, it's great, but but that's, it's kind of, it's kind of like kindergarten, to be honest. Uh, I'm not trying to say, I, I think he's amazing. I think he's brilliant. You know, he knows a lot of things about the habits I don't know. Um, but, but I've studied habits like like 30 years. And uh, again, I, I think, I love that book. I think it's missing a whole bunch of stuff because it's it's a lot of consciously oriented stuff to change your habits. And I think that's a great piece to it. But I think if you don't have the subconscious programming piece of how to program yourself to act differently, I think you know, you're fighting with one hand behind your back. Uh, so yeah, I'm a huge fan. I like his stuff. We cover some of those things. Uh, I, I take some of that stuff in, and I teach that in the program because what you need, I guess what I'm getting to is that, and this is a good thing. I don't want this to sound critical, but you probably have wanted to lose weight for a long time, but you probably have no real idea of what habits even are. Do you understand the neuroscience of habits? Do you understand how to strategically influence your habits um, in a way that actually works with you? And most people don't. And so I hear a lot of people love Atomic Habits because it's you know it's a book that gets into the deeper levels of habits. Uh, so yeah, it's helpful. <laughs> so for yourself, then we get the deeper levels of motivation, uh, the deeper levels of self-image and identity, uh, the deeper you know senses of uh, habits, you know, emotions how to deal with those, you know, and all the rest of it. So yeah, uh, I, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, yeah, Kelly says staying positive. Could be I need to eat more and sleep earlier at night. Yeah, Kelly, there you go. I love what you're saying. It's the attitude that's so important. 
the attitude trumps everything else because the attitude leads to the results. So, so Kelly, again, you're taking it in NLP. There's a great presupposition we talk about all the time in the program. There's no failure. There's only feedback. So you pay attention to the feedback you're, you're getting and then you adjust. And so, so you're handling that perfectly, Kelly. And yeah, sleep, sleep is profoundly important. I'm not gonna go into it here, but sleep in so many ways, like, again, this is one of those things where we under, undervalue and underestimate how important sleep is because they've only just recently been able to truly start to understand sleep on a much deeper level. For most of our history, when we try to understand sleep, it's just asking people things and people are notoriously unaware of what's going on. So now we're able to use fMRI machines, brain scans, you know, we're really able to track the importance of sleep. Uh, it affects your insulin resistance, you know, it, it just affects everything. So yeah, sleeping could definitely be something. Getting to bed earlier at night is a huge part of it. That's why I always mention sleep first because it's the most important one, you know? Um, and it could be eaten more, I know, ironically. Uh, Don says, thank you. I need to hear that at work today and going to concert tonight when I should be resting. Yeah, okay, so Don. Again, it, it's here's another thing. It, like, we're humans. We're not always going to make the right choice, the, the best choice for us. I was <laughs> literally, I was doing this the other night. It was Monday night, and I was feel I was already starting to feel crap. My throat was hurting. I was feeling it. But I had to eat something, and it's like I didn't have food ready, so I'm eating a sandwich. I mean, I always eat chips with it, and so I'm eating some chips. I'm talking to my daughter. I'm like, "Oh, my throat's sore," and she's like, "Well, should you be eating chips?" I said, "No." <laughs> so, again, we're irrational creatures, and and I I'm irrational. We're all irrational, and I think that it's it's helpful to know that because I'm not beating myself up for doing dumb shit. I know I do dumb shit, but I am always looking at and setting myself up to do smarter shit in a more strategic way. But anyways, Don, yeah, I get it. Yeah, you're going to a concert tonight, right? Even when you got shingles and that's going to deplete you more. So we do dumb stuff sometimes, but we recognize that. And then, you know, at some point in the near future, get get the rest you need. All right. Um, Sarah Sunshine, did your name just change? Oh, okay. There's a Sunrise 2020 and there's a Sarah Sunshine. Okay. I got confused. Oh, thanks, Don. What is this? A little candy hearts? A little heart puffs. All right. Had a great uh, Valentine's Day yesterday. I enjoyed three pieces of chocolate and didn't feel the urge to binge. Yeah, it's funny how that's a funny thing too. Like when you allow yourself to uh, enjoy the food, you, you tend not to binge as much. Now that that coincides. I mean, if you enjoy you know processed food, you're going to keep eating it. You know, but again, the more mindful you are, the more you actually enjoy the food you're eating. That's a better strategy. A lot of people they start eating the unhealthy food. And they go into denial mode. And and it's such a weird thing, you know? So it's like, oh, I shouldn't eat a chocolate, but here I go, I'm eating it. But it's like it's like you're almost eating in a disassociated way because you, you know, oh, I shouldn't do it. And so now you're not enjoying it and you don't really get the enjoyment and appreciation out of it. So you keep on eating it. It's, it's a weird mode we get into. So such a huge part of, of mastering your weight is literally eating for pleasure, eating the things you like to eat and enjoying them guilt-free. Because you're going to eat them anyways. So you might as well get enjoyment out of it. A lot of people don't know how to do that. Which goes back to, and program yourself. Then we have the 5-2 model. Five days of clean eating. Two days of pleasure eating. Pleasure eating. Not cheating. Not sneak eating. Right? What are we going to call it? We have two days of sneaking around eating? <laughs> you want to call it that? You don't even be like, oh, cheat meals, cheat meals. You really want to call it a cheat meal? Is that what you want to do? You know, like it's just, it's not the words. We don't think words mean anything. Then call it a sneaking around meal. <laughs> Let's look up. I love words, right? Let's look up some other. That's funny. I've never said the sneak meal thing. That makes me laugh. But I just want to see something real quick. Let's look up cheat. What are some other words for cheat? 
Not the deception meal. That's a different one, though, right? But um, <laughs> the ripoff meal, the bamboozle meal. I like sneak, anyways. I think that's more on the the same link. The creep meal. <laughs> I'm gonna have a creep meal. Ugh. That's funny. There's not a lot of good words, but but yeah, sneak meal. You wouldn't call it a sneak meal, right? Um. So yeah, pleasure meal is what we call it, right? Why? Because I want you to learn how to eat for pleasure. You may not know how to eat for pleasure. Imagine that. And, and ironically, you keep eating for pleasure, which is screwing up your weight loss, but you're not really enjoying it. It's not really pleasure. Right? So it's fascinating. Uh, what's up, Danielle? She says, this program is mind-blowing. Finally, after years of diet mentality, I found freedom. Yeah, Danielle's like that. Danielle's such a great example. I was talking about this yesterday that uh, so often when, when people get in the program... And if you're listening to this, you're not on the program, you've probably been struggling with your weight for decades. And one of the worst parts of the whole process is that, okay, so you haven't gotten the results you want. I get that. But you also have lots of experience and wisdom. And as a dieter, like you never reference that, you know? And and so I love getting people that, again, everyone in my program, it's always like an overthinker. So it's just a program of smart people anyways. But it's like, I like getting smart people that have lots of experience with weight loss. They've tried lots of stuff. I'm not working with lazy people. People aren't joining my program. Oh, I've never tried losing weight before. I'm going to start. Let me start with your program. That, that's not how that works. I get people that have been trying to lose weight for 30 years. They tried everything. And so the beauty of like, I think of, of the program is that you get people being able to utilize all their past history and wisdom. Just because you haven't gotten the results you want doesn't mean you don't have experience and wisdom. You just haven't figured out how to use it. And Danielle is such a great example of that because a few little tweaks, and the, the tweaks are so funny to me because she's such a great, she's brilliant. She's a smart person and she's very focused on this. But again, we're just humans. We miss obvious shit. It's, it's weird like that. And so once she got one little piece of the puzzle, it's like it was a big game changer. And it was funny to me even that she'd missed this, but that's always funny like that. Um, that's another piece of, of coaching for so long that's always surprising is how much us as smart human beings can miss obvious shit. And it's, it's sometimes it's just like that one little thing, like all of a sudden you get, in, it's just like such a game changer. So, um, what's up, Joy? How's it going? Joy's saying hello, but I'm glad Sarah that you had a great, uh, Valentine's day. And then that's a smart move. Yeah. You can eat the chocolate, eat it more mindfully and enjoy the hell out of it. Get the pleasure out of it. Yeah. Lana Molstein. I got that written down. I'm going to, I'm going to look that up. Oh, what's up, Lorena? And I got your your email about the thing. I'll, I'll email. You know what I might have to do? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to write to my service. I'll get that fixed for you. You're so right. Lost and gained 100 pounds twice and did keto, Weight Watchers, and fasting. I know Program Yourself Thin is the only way. Yeah. Connor, are you in Program Yourself Thin? I, I don't... If you are, you, you might be in the... Are you in the... You're not in the coaching thing. I'm pretty sure. I had another client I, I'd worked with for years named Connie. So I, I always think of her when I see Connie written down um learned REM sleep was almost like light hypnosis in my hypnosis class sleep is fascinating it really is and uh it's also the the quality of the sleep you get I, I've heard this I don't know if this is true I've never heard this anywhere else but this one guy he said that uh every hour of sleep before midnight is worth two hours now, I don't know if that's true or not I will say anecdotally myself I feel that if I go to bed like 10 o'clock it's just, it's a quality of sleep that's a lot different, even if the timing is the same. So I don't know if that's true, but yeah, sleep is absolutely fascinating. And I think we just, we, we barely understand just how important it is, you know, to be honest. Uh, I appreciate, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Uh, what's up, Marcy? How's it going down in Delaware? 
Uh, my day went to shit yesterday and I ate a whole box of chocolates. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. We'll be, we'll be <laughs> gone to shit day partners. I thought I've been joking, right? This week I've been thinking about it a lot because it was ridiculous. I mean, to eat that, that, I ate a whole bag of donuts. And I don't mean like I'm at like a bag, I'm a mini white donuts. I ate a bag of those. And I'm suffering from it. I know it. I know it because I, I don't really eat a lot of sugar. And sugar, I'm like, I will eat a lot of carbs randomly. And but but again, everyone's different. So for me, like I'm a carb monster. That's always like my main thing. Like I could eat I could eat a loaf of bread every day, no problem, and I feel fine afterwards. Uh, but sugar, I'm, I'm not as much of a sugar addict. Now you know again when I was eating like shit, I was eating sugar all the time, but I wasn't like binging on it. Like like carbs and bread, I can eat a lot of. I never like have been someone who eats a ton and ton of sugar. That that's just not how I'm built. And so I know that the sugar was an outlier this weekend, and and almost instantly, literally. I ate almost all of them Sunday. I finished them off on Monday. Monday afternoon, I started getting like my, my throat started hurting a little bit. And it's been three, four days of just, you know, instantly, instantly. And if it's not that, I don't give a shit. Cause again, I'm a hypnotist, so I can just link the two together. I don't give a shit. I'm I'm always to some degree demonizing sugar in my, my for myself. And so if I eat a bunch of sugar and all of a sudden I get sick, you best believe I'm linking them together. I've been doing that for 30 years with all kinds of things, unnatural foods, alcohol. Um, refined carbs, sugar, you know, processed foods, junk food, all of it. I'm always doing that. And so uh, I have no problem doing that. But but this one, I'm pretty clear uh, that, that that's what it was. So again, don't worry about a whole box of chocolates. When you do that, when you eat a whole box of chocolates, again, what I want, what I want to do, and what I did with the sugar donuts and what I would have done if I ate a whole box of chocolates is I would sit with the consequences, the, the mental, emotional, and physical consequences. Okay, how does it feel? And so well, I felt fine physically. Okay, fine. How'd you feel mentally? Because I know not great. Because even right day, my whole day went to shit. My day went to shit is not a positive thing, right? So if you're thinking of yesterday, like when I ate the bag of donuts, even if I felt fine today, like if I or if I felt fine the next day, in my mind, I'm like I don't want to. I don't want to be a person who just plows through a bag of donuts. I don't feel good about myself. I just don't like the behavior itself. I, I, it's not a behavior I feel good about myself. I'm not proud of that behavior. Not, not, it has nothing to do with anyone else. It has to do with me, myself. I don't want to be a person who just like, there's a bag of donuts and I can't stop myself and I eat the whole thing. I don't want to be that person. So mentally, the way I think of myself is I don't want to be that person. Emotionally, it just feels kind of a letdown. I'm like, oh, what are you doing, Jim? Now again, I'm at my weight, so there, there's that piece. But if I'm overweight as well and I want to lose weight, now it becomes, Jesus, you know, like, and, and it becomes this whole negative dialogue, all these negative emotions. Uh, and so I focus on that and I remind myself, that eating a box of chocolates really is not pleasurable. It really isn't when you take into account the whole thing. The, the, the five, 10 minutes you're eating it, maybe, but the big picture of the consequences taken into account, it's usually over, overall not that pleasurable experience. So again, utilize it, Tree Dunham. Don't, don't, don't beat yourself up about it. Utilize it. Use it to, to move forward in a better way. Um, Lorena says, I've been binge eating almost three to four days straight. Like 60, 70% was unhealthy, and I got so much over kcal uh yeah i mean that, that stuff's gonna happen now lorena i don't know i, I kind of I, I get a little blurry on, on people and stuff i work with a lot of people but if i'm not mistaken you had been eating really well you know and so this is this is not an unusual thing it's called the counter regulatory effect so when we're really you know trying to be really good with our eating a lot of times it's followed up by being shitty with our eating it, it's part of the licensing effect the counter regulatory effect um, and a bunch of other effects, but those are the two big ones. So again, it, it, it's not a big deal in the short, again, if you're a dieter in the short term, it's devastating, right? Cause you're in your mind, you're thinking, how much weight am I gonna lose this week? I'm looking at how much weight am I gonna lose this year? 
So, so that makes all the difference in the world. So three to four days of pigging out and eating too much. I've been doing that. I've had, I've strung together. I mean, I haven't been eating way over calories, but definitely more than I typically do. It hasn't been the cleanest week of, it hasn't been a great week of eating for me, uh, but I'm fine with it because I'm learning all kinds of stuff with them, reinforcing lots of stuff. And so that's what I suggest to you, Lorena, is um, learn from it. You know, learn what triggered it, learn what you did, and then learn and grow from that. So next time you're, you're more ready to avoid that. Okay. I was just doing a client call with someone and they were saying, I'm not going in the stores for the next couple of days, the supermarkets and the, and the, gro- the drugstores. And I said, well, why not? She goes, because now they, they take all the, ha- the Valentine's candy and they put it half off, 75% off. I can't, I can't resist it. I said, brilliant. You know, how'd they come up with that strategy? Because last year they went in there and bought all the candy, even though they said they weren't. So again, if you can get into the habit of not thinking like, oh, I'm going to start my diet and I'm just going to be perfect. You're not because you don't even know how to be, you don't know how to be thin and healthy. You don't know how to eat well. If you did, you would have already done it. Okay. So uh, you got to learn. And so if you get, get off this idea that you have to be perfect starting on day one until you reach your goal weight and realize it's a process of learning and growing and evolving, then you allow yourself to learn from your mistakes. That's one of the main mantras in the program itself in course is that mistakes are your greatest teachers. Okay. So, uh, yeah, that's, it's important. Um, you saying Danielle crazy how sugar can destroy us without us knowing. Yeah. I hope you feel better soon. Yeah. Sugar is, is intense. It really is. It really is. I know it's tough for people. It's oh, it's like a drug. Oh yeah, it is like a drug. It's the closest thing to cocaine food wise. It's, it's a, it, and it's like, you always have to take it one step further that it's not even just, uh, it's not even just the sugar. Like, like you think of sugar is like a natural thing, but the sugar you're consuming is not a natural thing. You couldn't make, you couldn't make table sugar, sucrose. Like what you think of as sugar is sucrose and it's super refined. You couldn't make, if I gave you, if I handed you a sugar cane, here you go. You could, you're not going to, I'm not going to get any sucrose back from you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't have the ability to make that. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it's just funny to me. I, and, I, and I say that because you need to think of, like like sugar, and I'm going to make it sound ridiculous here, but like cocaine and sugar are similar in the sense that they both start off in kind of their, their gross state where if you chew coca leaves, if you have even, um, you know, natural sugar, it's not going to be as addictive as refined sugar, refined cocaine, right? You've got to refine these things down to a powdery substance that's super concentrated because what makes things addictive, or at least part of it, is the time it takes between when you take it and when you feel the effect. And so because it's so processed, you get the effect much quicker. Again, studying cigarettes is fascinating for this because that's a big part of what they do. Um, but the sugar, what makes it so addictive is that you're consuming it and you're absorbing it so fast. So you're, you're consuming it and you're getting a spike real quick. And that spike is what you're addicted to. You know, what, what leads, what's part of what leads to the addiction. Another part is that it lights up the same pleasure parts of your brain that cocaine does, literally. So, you know, again, I don't tell this to shame you. And I say this is a weird place when it comes to weight is such a funny thing because it's a managed addiction. It's very unique in this way. I don't even know what another managed addiction may be. Like, I don't even know what another one may be because most addictions, you can follow the abstinence model. You stop doing them completely food. You got to keep eating. And so it causes us to have to live with cognitive dissonance. I'll give you an example of what I mean. I'll sit here and talk about how sugar's like cocaine. And then on the other hand, I'll let my kids eat sugar. I ain't going to let them do cocaine. Right? So it's a very, it's an uncomfortable, awkward place to be mentally because it feels weird. 
but you got to get comfortable with some of that when it comes to the food and the eating because most of us are not going to never eat sugar again. Most of us are never going to not eat carbs, refined carbs again. I was say I just had a call yesterday with this and I and I love this idea, but it's like you got to start your whole thing with saying I don't want to be the healthiest person I can be. I don't want to be the healthiest I can be because you don't. I don't. I don't want to never drink an alcohol. I, I like drinking alcohol on the weekends, so I don't want to give that up. There's there's I don't want to never eat a cookie. You, you know, and so it's, it's weird to start it off that way because we tend to think black or white, and I think as the quicker you get into the gray area, the better for you. And so that that's one way to do it. Um, oh, and speaking of gray, Deborah Gray, I ate too much sugar and steak last night and felt awful. My stomach was bloated and gassy. I'm thinking it, it, it read the sugar, but it might've been too much fat in the steak. Today I'm sitting in that feeling so I can learn from the experience. That's perfect. That, that's what I'm saying. We utilize it. Okay. We want to utilize these experiences, not beat ourselves up about it. If you just beat yourself up about it, you say, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I'm a bad person. I shouldn't have done that. And you spend all your time thinking about that. You haven't changed shit. What's really dictating your behaviors is the associations you have to different foods. So I shouldn't have done that. So, so that, okay, you, you ate the sugar and ate the steak because you assume it tastes really good. It's really pleasurable. And so then you go and you do it and then you say, I shouldn't have done that. You're still presupposing and assuming that it's really pleasurable, but you're saying I shouldn't have done that, right? The only things you shouldn't do, I, I can't do that. I, I shouldn't do that thing are things you think are enjoyable and you're trying to stop yourself. So I'm sitting here 99% of the time. I don't want to eat. A, I don't want to eat a lot of sugar. I'm not stopping myself. I don't want to eat a lot of sugar. Again, the, the classic example, you're probably a non-smoker if you're listening to me. Um, if you're not a non-smoker, you're probably a non-heroin addict. Okay. Now, if you're a non-smoker, it's not because you're fighting off cravings all day. You're not walking around saying, I shouldn't smoke. I shouldn't smoke a cigarette. I shouldn't have a cigarette. You're not doing that. You, the way you think about cigarettes, the associations you have to cigarettes, you don't want any. Do you see what I'm getting at? This is a subconscious approach to mastering your weight. You're always taking a conscious approach and fighting against your subconscious programming. If you start going to the subconscious level and programming yourself in a new way, you automatically and naturally start craving and desiring and behaving the way to live at your goal weight. And that's a perfect example. So how do you change the associations? A lot of times it's through the, the wrong mistakes. Your behaviors either teach you what to do or what not to do. So when you overeat, when I eat a bag of donuts, I'm not mad at myself. I'm going to sit with the feeling and reinforce the association. A bag of donuts sucks. I don't, it's not good. I don't, I don't want to have a bag of donuts around me. One donut's fine. I'm fine with that. It's a little thing. It's fine. But, but a bag of donuts is gross. And so now that's, that's reinforced more strongly me. So next time I get around a bag of donuts, I've got a much stronger association that's probably going to support me not doing it. And if I go and eat the bag of donuts again, I'll just reinforce it again. So yeah, great job, Deborah. That's exactly the right way to go about it, in my opinion, because you're reinforcing that, because you're, you're, you're reframing, instead of eating all the chocolate, instead of eating all the steak, you start to make distinctions. I, I'm reading this book. This book is profound to me. I thought this book, I thought this book was great and it is, but it's a lot of stuff I knew. Um, the Dorito effect is profound to me, profound. I think it's so good. I love this book. And one of the phrases he says in there that it's really sinking into me is post-ingestive feedback because we learn how to eat. And, and we, again, you gotta, you gotta bring us back to the natural world to understand, make any sense out of anything. And so the natural world, we would eat something and we would feel good or bad from it. And we would learn from that. And that would inform our future food decisions. 
So this is literally the phrase, this is how I changed my eating. This is the best description of how I changed my eating is instead of beating myself, instead of telling myself what I have to eat, I started being more present. This is the awareness piece I'm always talking about. I started having awareness of if I eat this, how do I feel physically, mentally, emotionally? And I kept doing that over and over and over again until I got to the point where it said, Again, I don't eat steak, but it's like if I ate steak, I way over ate steak. What I'm saying now is, holy shit, that was too much steak. Where's the sweet spot? Half of that. This is what I'm talking about. When we do the pleasure eating days, this is what we're doing. You think pleasure eating is eating all of it. It's not. Okay? The pleasure is eating a little bit of it usually because that's where you feel the best. Again, I'll bring it back to the three phases of eating we always use in Program Yourself Then There's the anticipation, consumption, consequence. You've been conditioned in this society through tens of millions of ads, tens of thousands of ads every day you see for food are always focusing you on the anticipation and consumption of the food. Every ad you see is the food coming towards them and them eating the first couple bites. You never see in the commercials them eating the last couple bites, sitting there with the empty wrappers, the empty plate, sitting in the consequence phase. So it's up to you to start focusing on what is the consequence five minutes after I finish eating that food. And not just the physical consequence, because you don't even know the physical consequence, you're tolerant to it, the mental and emotional consequence. And as you start to focus on the consequence piece of it, you start to reprogram yourself. Because now you say, like for me, oh, I feel like I want some ice cream. That still happens. I want some ice cream. And if the craving's driving up, usually it's because I'm just thinking about getting the ice cream and eating the ice cream. And so what I'll usually ask, I feel like having some ice cream. How will I feel five minutes after I finish eating it? And sometimes I think I'll feel fine. And then sometimes I think, eh, I don't want that. But it's a much clearer way to think about things, okay? But again, what informs our ability to do that is the mistakes we make usually. And the the good choices too. But usually it's even more powerful. The mistakes are even more powerful. Um, Kanye says, sneak around eating. It feels that way sometimes though, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. But if you called it sneak around, it'd be more obvious. That cheat meal shit is, is the worst languaging. So yeah, which would you rather have? Would you rather have a cheat meal or a pleasure meal? It's, it's, you know what I mean? Like, again, I always say this, the people that say that, oh, it's just semantics. You've got my permission to slap them. Cause as a hypnotist, every semantics, it's just semantics. You think words don't matter? <laughs> like, oh my God, they matter. Uh, I do a fresh reset every day and I let yesterday go learning mine. And yep, that's a great, great strategy. Uh, happy, oh, happy meal. That's a good one too. Yeah. I do the daily reset too. So helpful. Yep. Daily reset's key. That's what program yourself did. That's the program yourself in technique is literally that. It's a daily reset. We use it at night. It's the redo and rehearsal technique. And we use it at night. It's a reset. That's exactly what it is. But it also allows us to learn and program ourselves from what happens today and then to pre-program ourselves for tomorrow. That, that That's a great way to explain it though. Um, saving my pennies, doing spark. Yeah, perfect. All right. Nice. Um, and again, remember that there is the version of it now that does not have coaching, um, for 300 bucks and you can even split those payments up and that's the whole program. Uh, if anyone's interested in that, um, blown away so far by the free hypnosis and hypnotic writing, soaking up all I can until I can afford it. Yeah, that's great. Great strategy. I've been eating great and exercising. We've been stuck for a week. I just say my body hasn't caught up. Yeah, exactly. Again, if you stay focused on the behaviors, it, it's going to happen. <laughs> you can't you can't have great behaviors and no results. Not over a long period of time. In a short period of time, you can. Because again, right? Weight loss is inconsistent and unpredictable in the short term. But in the long term, your weight's going to reflect your behaviors and your eating. You know? Um, yeah, and Lorena, yeah. Yes, my eating has improved very much in the last month. Yep, the number is causing stress, of course, after the binge. Yeah, I get it. I, I know that's hard. I, I was working with someone yesterday on this one where they had... 
this was about alcohol though, but they had done a dry January and had virtually no alcohol. And then February came and they've been drinking more alcohol and they feel like they've let everything go. You know, but I said, if you look at, if you measure yourself from January 1st and now you're, you've drank 80% less alcohol than you typically do. <laughs> what a success. You know, that, that's a huge success, but our brain's funny. It, uh, it has negativity bias. So I always notice the negative stuff and it has a recency bias. We always remember the things that happened most recently. So again, we have all these biases. You got to learn how to manage them, but Lorena, look at the big picture and see what you've done overall. Recognize you're never going to be perfect. Absorb the mistakes and get yourself right back on track. And again, it's not about having a streak of, oh, it's three months perfect. It's about having, you know, being able to make mistakes, get back on track. And on the average, you're 60, 70% better. That, that, that's the way you approach it and think about it. Um, yep, Hummer's true. Learn from it. I'm a chemist and I can assure you that sugar is a drug. All right. I, I agree, right? It's like, it's literally a drug. I, I and I, I'm not a scientist in any capacity. And I would say one of my, what I don't like about my brain, if I could change it, I wish I was more scientifically like gifted in a sense. Cause what I have to do is I, I just keep reading books, especially like nutrition books. I, I read a lot of that and I know I'm not getting a lot of it, but it's like, I've read so many for so long now. That's like, it finally starts to go in a little bit. And one of the things that's really, and I think it's part of this book I'm reading the Dorito effect. I like but, but thinking about the chemical level of things. And so that's actually something I'm starting to, I, I'm just, I'm looking up um, a book, Neurogastronomy. Uh, just just the, the deeper aspects of what's going on, I think is very interesting. So yeah, as a, as a chemist, I would love to have your brain for a day to be able to look at the world, you know, but it's interesting to hear you say that sugar is a drug, literally. I, I like hearing that because it, it feels that way. Uh, I had two cupcakes planned, but had four, loved every minute of it, plenty left here, but no desire now. Yeah, great, great. That's what I mean. Like, do you see like, like when you hear Don, when you hear me talk and a lot of people in the program, it's like mistakes are going to happen. It's like you, you, so what? It's not the, it's not the day of mistake. That's going to dictate your weight. It, it's the making a mistake and then getting blown off course for two, three months for two, three years. That's, that's the problem. I always joke, you know, in politics, they say it's not the crime, it's the cover up. It's the same with weight. It's not the binge. It's what you do after that. That's what's dictating it. And unfortunately, a lot of people, once they make a mistake, they're just completely off track, you know, but it's not the one little mistake that's going to matter. It's what happens after, um, exercises and managed addiction. Yeah, sure. For sure. Oh, I like the smoker example because I have never been smokers. So it's easy to relate. Yeah, exactly. And even people that become non-smokers that were smokers, um, what, what dictates whether someone's a smoker or the non-smoker, again, it's really their mindset, you know, primarily. Um, getting that book now, Dorito Effect. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> You're on fire today, thanks. Um, the problem I have, the pleasure of overindulgence is a positive feeling at first, then negative later. Yeah, Heather, exactly. But that's what we're, we're getting a new handle on that. Like, you know that but you need to reinforce that at a deeper level. And it takes reinforcement. That's the most frustrating part of being a human being, and especially a smart human being, is that you know logically a lot of things, but you don't emotionally feel those things. And, and that's the challenge of being a human because I, was, I, I work with a person who is a piano teacher and learning an instrument has been very helpful for me in this line of work as well, because she goes, adults are some of the worst people to work with because they can logically understand what I'm saying and they get it, but they don't have the the neural connections, the muscle memory to do it. And so as an adult, your your logic outpaces your ability to internalize it. And so that's just always the way it is. You can get, this is your dieting problem. You know what you should and shouldn't eat. You know all the things you should and shouldn't do, but you don't have the, the subconscious programming to 
reinforce that to, to carry it out. And so, yeah, the problem is the pleasure of overindulgence for sure. But again, you just learn from that. I, I, we've all been there. Anyone who's mastered their weight, that's what you got to get through. And what it comes down to again is that that pleasure of overindulgence is really just in the anticipation and consumption and the negative feeling starts not that much later. See, I think that's the big mistake people make is they think the, the effect is the weight gain. Oh, I shouldn't eat the ice cream now because I'm, I'm going to gain weight. That's never going to work for you because that, that negative effect is too far in the future. And so your brain just discounts it. So, oh, we'll start our diet tomorrow. Don't worry about it. you got to focus on the negative consequence that, that starts the second you're finished eating. And as you start really focusing on that moment with all of your eating, um, what happens is you start to, because it's like this. It's like if um, whatever your favorite food is, if if like as soon as you finished eating that favorite food of yours, ice cream, pizza, whatever it is, I pop out of nowhere and I whack your thumb with a hammer. How many times would it take for me to do that for you to say, yeah, you know what? I don't think I'm going to eat that, right? So again, it's like it, we can't, the weight's too far in the distance. We need something right away. And you know what's worse than me hitting you with a hammer is again, the mental emotional consequence of every time you, you do the thing that, brings you further away from your goal, right? So if you want to lose weight, every time you eat the wrong thing, instantly you feel let down, you feel discouraged, you feel frustrated. So as you start to focus on that, realize that. Now, I'm not saying be negative with yourself. I'm saying that negative thing's already there. So just stop bullshitting yourself is what I'm saying. You've been conditioned to ignore the consequence piece by the food industry. And uh, that's making it harder for you. What's up, Tabby? Um, treat, not cheat. Yep, yeah, treat meal. Sure. Um, I turned cheat into indulgent day, but I catch myself all the time. <laughs> indulgent day, that's interesting. Yeah. Indulgent day. Yeah, indulgent day. I don't like that one. I don't, I don't know. Like indulgent, I don't know what that word means. You know, let me, let's look. I mean, like I know what it means. Like, I, again, I love words because it's like my, what do they call it? They call it just, just meaning and literal meaning, right? So I have the gist of a lot of words, but a lot of like, like the specific literal meanings, I don't know. Indulgence has multiple meanings. The act of indulging or being indulgent. Indulgent can mean willing to allow excessive leniency, generosity, or consideration. Um, and that was kind of my, that's what I think I was responding to. I don't, I don't like indulgent just at, at first glance because I don't like excessive. So when I say pleasure, I'm really looking for the maximum amount of pleasure, which may sound excessive, but it's not. Because when we take the maximum amount of pleasure, like really, like if you zoom out a little bit and say, what's the most pleasure I can get out of the food? Well, we're taking into account everything. So we can't just look at the getting it and eating it piece. We got to take into account the consequence. And so if we look at that full picture, what's the most pleasure you can get? And it's usually, and you already know this because you've had these moments when you eat like a couple pieces of chocolate. Right when you have a one cookie, or when you have like, like you know, when you eat moderately, it feels comfortable. You enjoy it. You got to enjoy the food, and then you feel good about yourself. That to me seems like the most pleasure you can get out of, of things. So I I like the word pleasure so much. Um, but yeah, you got to watch out indulgence because again, it has a lot of subconscious meaning to it, which again is kind of backed up by the idea that uh, it's uh, it's excessive. It's excessive. It's more more. So we want to be careful of that one. All right, everyone, I gotta get out of here. Some calls coming up, got a lot of stuff to do. Um, so yeah, if you're not in my world, make sure you go to my bio, click the link at the hypnosis session, watch the video I give you, two steps to master your weight, um, and read the emails I send you, okay? And uh, the podcast is Program Yourself Then. It's on all the podcast platforms. Uh, it's on YouTube, my YouTube channel. And yeah, that's good. 
And like I said, yeah, Program Yourself Thin is now officially available, uh, even without the coaching, for 300 bucks. So if you've been waiting for it, the $1,000 is too much, uh, you can now get it for 297 Get My World. We do live classes on Tuesday, which we're starting next Tuesday, uh, where, again, I'll be teaching a live class. If you have any questions, I can ask you. I can answer them for you. And that's going too. So, all right, everyone, have a super day, and we'll talk soon. Bye.